folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind, when you want to hit the reset button. Reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Sam Ekstrom presented by Scout Logistics as always. And uh, we've got a few things that we got to check some boxes here off the list of things that we haven't discussed that have gone on, Sam. And then I've got a game for you that I want to call nice or Minnesota nice, where we take a look, a little snapshot of the roster as we go into the second week of OTAs. And we'll have fun with this one. And then we'll have a hardcore week two OTAs for tomorrow after we've seen uh, an actual practice. And we've spoken to Mike Zimmer, which we have not talked with Zimmer in uh, quite some time, I guess, since the draft now. So we'll have that tomorrow. But for today, uh, let's just talk about it being June 1st as we record this. And the Vikings have cap space. Sam, I almost fell over when I went to overthecap.com and I looked at cap space and and the Vikings weren't at the bottom. What is going on here? Like, There's not a negative there must, in front of the number. There must be a mistake, Jason Fitzgerald from overthecap.com. Uh, but I think this is very interesting. Like it's a long summer and a lot can still happen to this roster at, now that they have, what is it? $13 million in cap space to work with. So how do you think they use it? Yeah. 13, 14. Um, it's, it's a pretty bountiful amount when you're at this stage of free agency. I mean, if you equated that to, like number of players that could be signed. There's like 10, like you could sign 10 players if you wanted to, because most people at this stage, a lot of them are going to accept a million dollars. That's just the reality. And some good players too, like Drake or Patrick and Darquise Denner last year. I mean, those were guys that had a lot of starting years, pretty good reputations. And they signed for a million dollars in August and July. Um, That's just how it's going to work at this stage. There are some positions where, there's way more supply than there is demand, particularly uh, cornerback and defensive line, where there are some veterans that are available that you're scratching your head and saying, how? Like, you know, Sheldon Richardson, you're only 30. It's not like you're washed. You played 900 snaps last year. Um, but I digress. Like, like, how did the Vikings get in this, like, really good cap situation? Because it kind of stuck up on us, right? They were negative. They were negative. Oh, they, they, they leaked into the positive. Oh, but then they signed Dalvin Tomlinson for a bunch of money. Now they're back to even. Um, but they just kind of like like scrimped and saved a million here, a million there. Um, Britton Colquitt restructuring, you know, this person restructuring. And 
the deferment of the Kyle Rudolph release money is curious to me. What was their plan? Like, what was their logic behind it? Because they could have utilized the $5 million saved at the time in the heat of free agency, when that money could have actually been used on some blue chip free agents. Instead, they decide to push it down the road to become 7.9 million on June 1st. So they save 2.9 million in the process by waiting two and a half months. So how will that patience pay off? Were they telling themselves, Hey, we need to make sure we have extension money for Daniil and Brian O'Neill. Hey, that rhymes Daniil and Brian O'Neill. Nope, not really. All right. You can edit that part out if you want. That was inexcusable. I will never do it again. Nope. Nope. You get no mulligans on the golf course. You take lots of breakfast balls, mulligans. I took one today. I took one on the last hole. You don't get them here though. You do not get them here. Um, You got to live with what you say. Ah, all right. (laughs) Accountability. So Daniil Hunter and Brian O'Neill's extensions won't cost them that much against the cap this year. If I'm using like other players as templates, like they will probably tack on their signing bonus money this year. And then the bigger salaries will come in future years. They'll be a little bit backloaded as the cap increases, but like with Dalvin cook with Eric Kendricks, the contract essentially stayed the same in the final year of the deal. And then they just added the signing bonus money. And I think that's what they'll do with for sure. O'Neal and with Daniil, if they restructure him, they actually have the ability to to maybe keep the cap number what it is today or even a little lower if they want. They can reduce the base salary, add in the signing bonus, Daniil would get his raise, and he'd get more long-term security. So they're still going to have a decent amount of money to sign players. And I, I, I wish I knew what they were thinking. Like, why did they feel like they needed this extra almost $3 million? And it feels like there's going to be some talent added to supplement this roster. Don't you think with, with the players that have been rumored to be coming here, whether that's um, a DD Westbrook or a Bashad Breeland, like that tells you that, okay, maybe they are aware of the things that we're talking about. Like they do need more corner depth. They do need more wide receiver depth. And I think at both of those positions and defensive line as well, I think there's some pretty interesting options, like except for maybe defensive end, where a lot of the good ones are taken up unless you want Everson Griffin back here. Um, you can get some some veteran defensive tackles, for instance, that were hurt a year ago. Kawan Short, Jarrell Casey, Geno Atkins is the big one that everyone wants to talk about because of the Zimmer connection. Uh, at cornerback, you can get Nikel Roby Coleman, Brian Poole. Um, why am I blanking on the name? Oh, Darquise Denner. Like all three of those guys were top 10 in the slot two years ago, and they're not that old. Um, those are probably million, two million dollar guys. Wide receiver, you can, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's out there, Golden Tate is out there. There are some big names available. And as the days go by, they get cheaper and cheaper. Now, the last thing I'll say on this is that at this point, if you're one of those players, if you're a veteran, are you gonna take a million dollars to to be like kind of a, a wide receiver three or a first first cornerback off the bench? Or are you gonna wait till training camp and preseason? wait for someone to get hurt and then fill a much bigger role when teams are desperate. I think that's the play. If you're a veteran, I don't think you accept a tiny offer when you can hold out hope for, you know, raking in a lot more in a time of desperation. So that's the danger in assuming if you're the Vikings, Oh, we can get these guys. Now you might not be able to, because the Vikings don't have a lot of clear cut starting roles to give away. And uh, we may have to wait a couple months to see this really play out. 
Yeah, all good points. Uh, and I think we saw that last year with what, like Malcolm Butler and Jadavian Clowney waiting till the very last minute to sign. Uh, and uh, even Logan Ryan, the same thing. We all yeah. went, well, what, what is Logan Ryan doing? Well, another part of this too is that once minicamp breaks, like, these guys go on vacation. Like, sorry, uh, we're not negotiating contracts now for the most part, unless there's some huge trade that happens. Like we are going to go to the cabin. We're going to go to Cabo, whatever it is that these people do, like they're doing it. So um, usually then, you know, you come back, camp starts to ramp up. Teams actually look at their roster on the field. And sometimes, and I think this was the case last year with the Yanni Kagakwe trade. Well, someone got hurt to Neil Hunter, but also I think Mike Zimmer looked at it and said, Ooh, boy, uh, yeah, I'm not so sure this defensive end position looks very robust. And I think we're going to have to go get somebody else. And that's how the Ngakwe trade ends up working out, which maybe we can discuss a little bit because I saw an interesting tweet from Mike Clay of ESPN on that, but I don't want to get too far off track. You asked why they did it with the June 1st designation. My guess is it's maybe maybe a two tiered guess. Number one, uncertainty over whether Daniil Hunter would rework his deal. I don't remember the exact timing of those things, but you're right that uh, Rudolph was one of the first sort of uh, things to happen in the offseason. And so were they not sure, like, are we going to be able to rework Barr's deal? Are we going to have to cut Barr? And that won't actually create a whole heck of a lot of space. Um, so there was also some other uncertainty of like, would they chase one of the big pass rushers? And that would cost them a ton of money because there were reports that they had gone after Carl Lawson, Trey Hendrickson, those guys would have cost a lot more than Dalvin Tomlinson. So maybe they wanted a little bit of help to sign the draft class. Like if we got to get all this extra space done, well, this will allow us the, the, you know, to sort of know how much we have left and then we'll have the draft class later. But I mean, neither one of those explanations is, is great. So I think that maybe part of it was that they knew that there would be a lot of people after June 1st available or other trades that they could be looking at, or they are aware of the Daniil Hunter situation and what they might have to do with that. And it might end up costing them more money. I think I'm not sure. I mean, I would love a good answer to that. I know we won't get one. What we're going to get is this answered as we go along and we'll get it figured out. So, and, and I actually should apologize. I made a mistake too. I didn't yell. What now, Sam? when I asked you what they're going to do with this cap space. Uh, can we talk about Ngakwe for a second? Sure. I'm going to read you a tweet because I, I've gotten some actually good messages on this from people about Ngakwe. So from Mike Clay of ESPN. Hold on, scrolling. Okay, got it. <laughs> Players with eight plus sacks. Now, of course, yeah, this is like arbitrary endpoints thing, but just listen. Players with eight plus sacks in each of their first five NFL seasons, Aaron Donald, Derek Thomas, DeMarcus Ware, Reggie White, and Yannick Ngakwe. Um, You look at what Yannick Ngakwe made in free agency, and you look at the current situation with Daniil Hunter Instagramming pictures of him absolutely not at OTAs. So there's no, we have to worry about reports. Like we know his Instagram has made it quite clear. He's not in Hawaii with Aaron Rodgers, but he ain't at OTAs. So uh, you kind of need a pass rusher. Steven Weatherly had zero sacks last year. He's probably not that guy. Uh, DJ Wanham, we'll see, right? Oh, hi, Captain. That's your dog. Uh, so um, DJ Wanham might be a captain someday. Do you, do you, there you go. Do you, uh, do you, 
Is there any part of you that thinks like, maybe you shouldn't have traded Yannick Ngakwe and maybe you should have kept him and let him get a bunch of sacks and then re-signed him? Or like, it's sort of like, I want to do like a Seinfeld thing. Like, what's the deal with this thing? Like, it just sort of continues to be a weird deal that happened that I sort of, um, I, I've sort of got got it along the way. But when you pull back to the 30,000 foot view, you're like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, what this is well. I mean, rumor has it that at some point this offseason, maybe we'll we'll write about some great what ifs in Vikings history. Maybe this will be like a what if in time. Like if the eight sack streak continues for another twelve years and he's an all time great, uh, we'll look back on the enigma that was Daniel Hunter in purple. And uh, and I think we you always mean, overestimate. You mean Gakwe. Sorry, you mean Yannick Gakwe. What did I say? Daniel Hunter. I'm sorry. Yannick okay. Ngakwe. We will look back on that enigma, and I think we will say, you know, we really overestimated, as we usually do, how restrictive the cap was going to be. Because we all said, well, that didn't work out, but they probably wouldn't have been able to re-sign him anyway. And I think we, we say that pretty frequently. We assume guys are gone. We assume that teams can't afford people. But the Vikings could have afforded it. They afforded Dalvin Tomlinson, who signed for just a little bit less in Minnesota than Ngakwe in Las Vegas. Um, they, they also afforded Patrick Peterson and other free agents as well. So this was not impossible for them to swing. And if they had kept him around in Minnesota, um, I don't know if that would have increased or decreased his, his value. I will say this. I didn't think he was particularly effective. Um, based on what Andre Patterson talks about, like the things he values, Yannick Ngakwe did not fit that bill. Now, you can criticize Andre Patterson's methodology, too, for saying that he's too rigid, that he's not using the talent he's given and instead trying to manipulate that talent into sort of his vision. And maybe that's not the smartest play. But if he's going to try to like get a player that fits his mold, Yannick Ngakwe was not that. Um, if you get one sack per game and no other pressures, you are not a good pass rusher. I think is a fair, people can probably agree on that statement that you need to do more than splash once a game. That was kind of what Ngakwe was doing in, in the six games he was here. Man, it was, it was brief, wasn't it? Um, it felt like the first two games he was sort of figuring things out. And then he had the Seattle game and the Tennessee game where he was actually pretty good. Um, you know, got to the quarterback a couple times ended up being the team's leading sack getter in the year because of just a couple good performances. All told, though, didn't play the run, um, didn't regularly pressure the passer. Like, I can see what where the Vikings would take a look at that and say, let's just call it. I mean, the, he doesn't seem interested in doing our thing. It's going to cost a ton of money to keep him. And hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, maybe they'll look back and regret it. But based on everything they saw, not just from Ngakwe, but from their team, from a one in five team, I don't think I can fault them for wanting to make that move. And and maybe they did think he would be a lot more expensive than he ended up being because he signed for two years, $26 million with the Raiders, which they could afford today. Like right yeah. now on June 1st, they have enough money to afford a Yannick Ngakwe. And so I, I've got a bunch of suspicions with no super clear answers. I mean, one of my suspicions was, that Yannick Ngakwe, and this was sort of like a hinted thing by Andre Patterson, Yannick Ngakwe said, this is how I play football. And 
I'm not going to really change the way I play football because I've had success. And there are guys who are absolutely like this. You think, oh, they listen to their coaches. Like some don't star players don't not, uh, not always. And sometimes not often. Well, they were, they're going to play their way where they've had success. And I remember Patterson saying something about, well, he does this cross chop move that rarely works, but when it works, you know, he gets a strip sack or something. And I thought it was a little bit of a passive aggressive sort of, yeah, I don't want him to do that move, but he just does it anyway. But there's also, and gets sacks and strip sacks. Uh, and you make a good point about the first two games. I mean, he just got here. I don't know how much you can really judge those things. And I'm not saying he's a great player. I, I think that Jeremiah Searles and I called them trading him away after we saw him jogging after a running back on a running play and yeah. said, Zimmer's just not going to put up with this. Um, but now when you're looking at the defensive end position and you are just bereft of talent and you think like, oh, well, actually a guy who doesn't play the run very well, but um, gets eight plus sacks every single year, along with several strip sacks might have been okay for you. Maybe they thought it's not a fit. It's not a personality fit with him and Andre Patterson. They clearly value Andre Patterson's opinion extremely highly and they didn't want to do it. But I guess this where this connects is they need to find somebody still though. I think when you're looking at Yannick Ngakwe, who in my mind is not, he's not Reggie white. Okay. He's not Derek Thomas. All right, everyone. Uh, but you also need something in that range, uh, especially as this Daniil Hunter thing plays out. And look, I mean, the more the more power we see with players and everything else, and I know that the Vikings will probably sign Hunter at some point, but like, is it totally impossible that Daniil Hunter could sit out games in the NFL season? I think it is. So if you're going into the year, if this impasse continues, and it's a real like rock'em sock'em into the season. And we saw, I mean, what was the running back there? What was it? Uh, who's the running back for the Chargers sat out like half the season. So like we see this, I forget. It doesn't matter. Running backs are running backs. Melvin, someone Melvin, Melvin Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Okay. Trey yeah. Wayne's buddy. Yeah, that's right. Melvin. Yeah. Melvin Gordon sat out like half the year for the Chargers one time for the contract thing. Le'Veon Bell sat out, sat out a whole year. We have seen position players do this. And uh, I, I just feel like with this extra cap space, a trade, a big signing with one of these guys left, I feel like that is the most plausible thing because even though they swung and missed with Yannick Ngakwe, they still miss Yannick Ngakwe, which is telling. Yes, they they find themselves in this situation that they, they didn't fully address his replacement. Um, they kind of half-heartedly addressed it with, Stephen Weatherly, um, a third round pick and a fourth round pick. And that's pretty much it. Like they didn't really, they did, they definitely didn't go out and get an apples to apples Yannick Ngakwe replacement or someone who could grow into that role. And they led to Fadio Denebowak, who might've been, you know, the, the second best defensive end last year behind Ngakwe. Um, so I, th I think you make a good point. I don't know who's like disgruntled enough. I don't know which franchise is sort of this year's Jaguars that's going to offer that potential. Um, because it seems like a lot of the will be gone franchises that might have been unloading in years past kind of have optimism now with young quarterbacks. And we might see fewer teams tanking this year, if you will, um, just because of the way the quarterback situations are working out all over the place. Everyone kind of either has like a veteran who they trust or a young 
you know, a young quarterback who's kind of on the rise. Maybe Carolina ends up ta- tanking with Darnold. Maybe that's the only the only one. Um, but now that they're in this situation, and they if they didn't have Hunter for several games, and they didn't sign someone else or trade for someone else, it would be Weatherly and Wanham as your starters. Really, it'd be Weatherly and Wanham. That's the bed that they've made, and and Patrick Jones as a backup and. Kenny Willickis, Hercules Mata'afa, it's not an inspiring group. So I guess it comes down to like, did did they get spooked by the the Ngakwe experiment? Do do they think now that, oh, okay, you know, if we bring in someone who's got an ego, even though they're talented, is that going to be like too problematic to, to bring into the locker room? And I think it might. I think that might legitimately like scare them off from doing the same thing. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them, Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Yeah, and even just outside people have not always fit with what they do here in recent years. And I'm saying this out loud and trying to think if there's an example where I'm not right about this. So, like, okay, they tried... Even like George Iloka, Tremaine Brock, um, Sheldon Richardson. Richardson was good, but they didn't like him for some reason. And I think part of it was the run defense. And it kind of is like, man, I get it. But Sheldon Richardson won you a couple games. He was so good in week one against San Francisco. He was so good the time they played the Packers at U.S. Bank Stadium. He just took over those games as an interior pass rusher. And I think that's a lot more valuable than whatever was lost with the run game, especially when you're talking about beating teams that are great passing attacks, um, that that would have mattered. And yet on his way out the door, there was, ah, you know, we need to be better against the run. So that's why Shamar Stefan will be better. Huh? Like why, like 
Why are you taking shots at Sheldon? That was a great signing. I mean, for eight, eight million bucks, I didn't get that. Um, even John D. Filippo comes in with a different offense from exactly how Mike Zimmer wanted it. That didn't really work out. We've just seen this rotation of different free agents kind of pop in um, and, and pop out. And I guess, you know, Riley Reef was a fit and a good free agent signing, but most of the other ones kind of come and go. And, and, and you could put in Gawkway in that bucket too. Um, you know, aside from the original ones like Captain Munderland, but even Munderland, like didn't want to stick around. Uh, but Terrence Newman, Linval Joseph, that's kind of the original signings. But the mm-hmm. since then, I can't think of too many who have stuck around and sort of become like staples. It's mostly guys that uh, they have sort of drafted and developed. Yeah. I mean, let's go position by position. Wide receiver. Kendall Wright. They, like, they, Michael Floyd. Tajay Sharp. Yeah. Michael Floyd was, yeah, yeah Tajay Sharp. They, All lot, these guys performed better, like in their other places, and then just became complete nothings here. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, You know, they've never really had an outside tight end come in, in in their time at all. It's always been Kyle Rudolph and then like the fourth and fifth round pick that they drafted behind him. Offensive line, Mike Remmers didn't work out. Alex Boone didn't work out. Reef, like you mentioned, one of the uh, one of the best ones. Um, Josh Klein, I, I should, Josh Klein, sort of did, but Josh like, Klein, you know, yeah, like yeah. they they released him. Might have been injury related there, but no, you're right. You're 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 definitely onto something. That there's there is a I don't know if it's a culture or like an, an expectation here that doesn't always jibe with like new acquisitions, and I I have a hard time believing that the Vikings are just so cohesive and so sophisticated that, that, that can't be the case. Do you like, do you get that impression? I mean, are they that are, is the technique that demanding here and not elsewhere? I mean, free agents go around the league and succeed all the time. There's no reason why it shouldn't happen here. And I think we've, we've talked about this before, probably a lot during free agency, the Vikings kind of defeat themselves with a lot of those acquisitions before you know they really get a chance by you know either blocking them with a younger player um kind of like clinging too tightly to the incumbent or the 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 player that they drafted and developed i think that has prevented them from realizing the most in some of those free agents in the past even latavius murray stayed for two years then left and was really great as a number two running back in new Orleans, which, you know, they actually used him and used their number two running back. Imagine like doing that. But uh, I think that they would have kept Latavius Murray if he wanted to stay and he didn't and went and played behind somebody else who was really good. So it wasn't like a starter issue for him. Uh, yeah, so there, the, I don't know, maybe there is something to it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about like Stefan Diggs too, like a little bit of, you know, t- to the beat of your own drum kind of guy and wanted uh, his own input instead of this is how we do things here. You're the employee. We're the employer. You know, we've talked about that with Aaron Rodgers, and there's like a connection with Stefan Diggs too and treating him that way. And so now he's, you know, leading the NFL and catches in Buffalo. And I, and I guess I wonder about that. I wonder if certain guys fit with that just fine. And some guys are used to it because they were brought up in it, like Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and, and Harrison Smith. But maybe there's something to outside guys being like, oh, this is just not how it was done where I was before. And there's just, I don't know, some sort of conflict or or maybe it's random. I'm, I'm not sure. I think knowing what we know, it's possible that if somebody comes in and says, no, I've got my pass rush moves. I'm good. I've got a bunch of sacks. I don't really need to take anything from you that they would that they would throw them out pretty quick. 
uh, as opposed to saying, okay, go sack quarterback, man, go prove it. And, and Gakwe did. Um, so that's not to say, I think he's a great player or anything. It's just, I, it made me wonder because he signed mm-hmm. for such a reasonable price. Uh, okay. There was something else I wanted to discuss. Oh, okay. Before we get to nicer Minnesota, nice. Um, I want to ask you now that the dust has settled, uh, who do you think the Vikings will miss that they moved on from? Because when we were talking about that cap stuff, I, I was thinking about how in 2019 to 2020, we got a lot of rationalizing of, well, Xavier Rhodes wasn't that good last year. So Holton Hill will be fine. Okay. Uh, or, you know, whoever, Everson Griffin was falling off. So whoever, Fadi Adenabo will be fine. There was a lot of that. And there's going to be a lot of that this year with, oh, Xavier Woods will be fine because Anthony Harris wasn't that good last year uh, and, and so forth. So who do you think that they end up missing or not missing that is off the roster from last year to next year? Let's also raise this point on the June 1st deadline. If they had the 5 million earlier, like mid-March, they could have retained one or two of these free agents that we're about to discuss. Like, keep that in mind, too. They intentionally prevented themselves from being able to, to sign someone like Eric Wilson. $2.75 $2.75 million, one year, not very expensive. Afadio Denebo, $2.5 million, one year, not very expensive. Anthony Harris, $4 million, one year, not very expensive. There's a theme here. Um, I think those are probably the, the big three. They're not, I'm not regretting Rudolph, especially at that price. I don't, that's probably the probably the easiest decision they had all offseason, to be honest with you. And I like Kyle Rudolph, but um, I felt like the the cost was not meeting the production there. Um, I might be Odenabo in light of our discussion. I, the third linebacker position to me is still not particularly valuable. And, and I think that, um, you know, Chaz Surratt might be intriguing. Nick Vigil can like do the job. Okay. Cameron Smith might actually contribute this year. You know, he's, he's already playing with the ones at OTAs. So they'll be fine in that regard. Um, Xavier Woods is that's interesting. You know, we, we both commented that he looked a lot smaller than, than we kind of like pictured him. And, uh, and Anthony Harris had that like really rangy build. It seemed like he could cover a lot of ground, even though he wasn't all that fast. Um, so it could be Anthony Harris because the Vikings really appreciate sort of the institutional knowledge at the back end of the secondary. I'm waffling between Harris and Odenabo. And I can't, am I missing anyone else here? Uh, jo- oh, oh, Jaleel, jo- definitely Jaleel Hell, Johnson. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey everyone. I want to tell you about our friends. It's scout logistics. And I really do mean it when I say friends, they are fans of purple insider over at scout logistics. And since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout logistics is just in time transportation for full tractor trailer loads. And if you're wondering what that means exactly, Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 217-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how scout logistics can minimize risk 
and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Somebody asked me the other day, I was a great Friday mailbag question of for the website, purpleinsider.substack.com written work there. I don't ever mention that on the podcast and I'm sorry, but, uh, somebody asked a great question of like, what was the, what was the performance by a Viking in a single game where you went like, Oh my gosh, this might be the the worst performance I've seen by a player that wasn't like, I don't know the time Sean Mannion started week 17. I, I just, that was not good, but, uh, like a starter just getting destroyed Mm -hmm. Jaleel Johnson against new Orleans might've been the answer to that. Um, I picked, I picked TJ Clemmings in 2016 against the Houston Texans. And when Jadavian Clowney was like at the, the height of his strengths and just ran over him and Whitney merciless had a sack where he slapped his hands out of the way. Um, but Jaleel Johnson against new Orleans, when Elvin Kamara was running for five touchdowns, definitely, definitely was my pick defensive tackles in general in that game were just assaulted it was horrible but i i forgot about riley reef too i mean riley reef might be a pretty significant loss in, that in was, light of, yeah. like i mean that that i guess that's probably the obvious one if they don't have like that level of performance from derisaw it's a downgrade and reef was good last year he was legitimately good for the amount he played the pressures that he allowed that was a really good pressure rate so that maybe that's the answer i think the answer is all of them, if dot, 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 right. Like all, like you go through every single one and this is, this would be the concern a little bit about the roster where you go, a lot could go right. But uh, you know, with this whole, with this whole thing with the turnover in some of these key positions. So with Riley reef, uh, you won't miss him. If Christian Derisaw is really good right away, you most certainly will. If he's not, I mean, it's going to be a, it could be a potentially very big downgrade. If there's, a, a massive learning curve for Christian Derrissaw as there sometimes is for offensive linemen. Um, you will miss Anthony Harris. If Xavier Woods doesn't have full grasp of how to play with Harrison Smith, by the time they get out there for the first couple of weeks, you will miss Eric Wilson. If anybody on the linebacking core gets hurt and all of a sudden Nick vigil is playing like th- there's, I think there's a little bit of all of these and I wouldn't even discount with Kyle Rudolph where it's like, you'll miss him if, Irv Smith is a much better move tight end and number two tight end than he is number one, which I don't expect that to happen, but it certainly falls under the same category of, Hey, no one's going to miss Trey Waynes. He's just an average corner. Well, an average corner is pretty good corner. And so when you have instead Chris Jones playing, you miss Trey Waynes. And, and so that, that I think is a storyline that we're going to be watching all the way through OTA's mini camp and into the training camp and regular season is just how much these guys that were left behind that we all kind of shrugged off and went like, Oh, well, no big deal. That guy's gone, whatever, you know, no big deal. Um, but could ultimately end up factoring in. So let's play this game that I thought of while we were golfing this morning. Um, I was listening to PFF's podcast and they went through all 32 teams and said something positive about all 32 teams, because anybody who has a show or a Twitter or anything gets called too negative by some fans. So it's a common thing. Not us ever though. Yeah, no, it's never happened to me. Um, But so that's, it's just sort of like, Oh, you talk about football professionally too negative, probably to some people. So anyhow, I I want us to go through the positions and you have to either say something nice or Minnesota nice about each position before we wrap up as we go into the second week of OTA. So you can kind of take this in a lot of different directions. So why don't we start with 
wide receiver, which would be an opportunity. How about we do it this way? You can start and you pick one and then I have to do the opposite. So I have to say something. If you start with nice, then I have to say something Minnesota nice and, and, and the opposite. So let's start with the wide receiving group. Okay. I like the parameters of the game. You'll you'll be able to tell whether it's nice or Minnesota nice, I think. So I'll just I'll just let her rip. Um having not prepared for this game at all, um, off the top of the old the old head here. The the Vikings receiving core has some quality human beings in their depth ranks. <laughs> See, I still struggle with passive aggressiveness in the Midwest in general, because I grew up in the East and it's just not much of a thing. Uh, people are pretty much direct. They honk the horn a heck of a lot more than they do. No one has yeah. honked at me. I've lived here for five years. I don't know if anyone's honked at me. Uh, and that would be a daily thing that you would get in the East. So it's a lot more aggressive. Um, but I'm going to guess that that was Minnesota nice. So I'll just say this, that Justin Jefferson and what he could do this year I think a lot of people are sort of cautious to push his numbers higher, which is fair. But I think in terms of his play and his and how they use him uh, last year, I think a lot of those numbers happened when they were losing in games. I, in fact, I know that that's when a lot of those numbers happen because it's on paper this year. I think Justin Jefferson drives the success as opposed to trying to bail you out in the second half of games. So that's, that's my nice and your Minnesota nice. Okay. The, uh, Let's go with the offensive line next. All right. Why don't you go first this time? Okay. I'm going to go and say that, um, well, you know, look, Dakota Dozier and uh, Rashad Hill starting in, in OTAs, they know the playbook. That is an important thing is to know the playbook. And that's a, that's a good thing that they know it because then they'll know where to go when the plays happen. Yeah. That's Minnesota. Nice. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sure is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I like that. Um, Brian O'Neill is now like the patriarch of the offensive line. Cause I think he is, he, he kind of, he goes about things the right way. He like added on weight and still like retained his ability as a player. Like he's, he can say, Hey guys, like let's get bigger and stronger. How about that? Let's pass protect a little bit. I think he's a good model for that offensive line. And um, and I like that they have kind of gone young. I like that they they can all kind of grow up together. Most of them are pretty cheap right now. I think it's it's a well-constructed group with a lot of potential. Let's go Kirk Cousins. You fire away. Um, Kirk Cousins improved his mobility last year a lot. Okay, that is Minnesota nice. There's no way that's regular nice. No way, no way. Not when you're complimenting a guy from going from like 12 yards rushing to 80 yards rushing. No chance. Uh, so I, I will say this about Kirk Cousins. When you see Kirk Cousins out on the practice field and you look at inexperienced players, you can see a gargantuan gulf of why this guy is a franchise quarterback. There are plenty of things that could be, if we weren't doing this game, like analyzed fairly. And there are plenty of reasons why the win-loss record is what it is um, and why they have not you know, reached certain points with their quarterback. But he is 
tremendously talented and, 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 and it comes from his, I think from his, uh, attention to detail and work ethic. So there, there is your, there is your nice thing about Kirk cousins. And, and that's, and I'm, and we're not like messing with you. These all had to be true. Like this is, you know, so I, I greatly respect how much effort he went into to get to the quarterback he is today. And so if Kellen Mond can chase him down, then well, he's going to have to be really good to do it. Matthew Kellen is so Mond. red in the face right oh. now, having to say these things. He's just like, he's shivering oh, having that... to utter these truths about Kirk cousins. See, this is, this is a funny thing though. It's like, I I've never hated anybody that I covered. I've never really liked anybody that I covered. We're not friends. I just Matthew's like, just just generally ambivalent the, about people. The, the, no, the truth is just the truth. And you just say it. Like it's just so funny with this. And I know this is getting off on a tangent from where we're going with this, but it's just sort of funny where I saw Buddha Baker tweeting today about how PFF hates him. And you're like, dude, PFF doesn't know you. And with with Kirk Cousins, it's like. I call ball and strikes, balls, strikes. I was an umpire once. It's just, it's just like, sorry, you know, it was okay. It was fine. It wasn't as bad as it can be. Um, There there was a few run-ins with coaches, but it was mostly a good experience, but it's just uh, this whole idea that everybody who doesn't just praise you all the time or tries to reasonably analyze you as some sort of hater is very frustrating to people whose job it is to critique so anyway like all those things are true and if you go through the website that i don't mention enough um there's articles on kirk cousins about these things and then there's articles that are critical shocking it's almost like i don't care so anyway uh let's go with um let's go with the the just the secondary i will say that the secondary um has more experience than it did last year. And okay. uh, with players that other teams didn't want to keep necessarily are the experienced guys. So, yeah, I'm finding that it's a lot easier to be Minnesota nice than it is to be genuine nice. I, I, um, believe that the experience that the secondary has will suit it well in the fourth quarter when the game is on the line. Yes, I agree with that. I agree mm-hmm. with that. I think that that, yeah, that is a nice thing to say. And it's also true. Uh, okay. Just one more. Let's go with um, let's go. The coaching staff will be our last nice or Minnesota. Nice. So you start this one off. <laughs> The um, the offense will be run by a Kubiak for a second year in a row, which is objectively true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, man, I am interested. I'm interested, though. Like every person who's asked me about Clint Kubiak has said, hey, any chance that's going to be different? And I will tell you the truth that every time I say, no, probably not. Uh, But I could be wrong about this. There were a lot of things that Gary did last year that worked out super well. I mean, they were a efficient passing offense. Uh, He loved the yards per play. They were great yards per play. Some of that's because they were playing from behind, but some of that's also, they hit on a lot of big plays. The play actions largely worked. Kirk was once again, one of the five best quarterbacks. This is not me saying something nice. It's just like an aside. Um, But uh, 
there were also areas where Gary Kubiak was clearly, I think, a little behind. And it, you could tell that he had not been an offensive coordinator and a play caller. And it took him a few weeks to kind of get back in the groove. It took him a few weeks before they started sending people in motion. You know, and I think yeah. that Clint being very close with Kevin Stefanski will kind of circle back to some of those things that Stefanski did effectively. I think this actually is my nice thing. This is my nice thing that, that it, I'll say it's uh, there is a chance, a good chance, a decent chance that Clint Kubiak updates things from where they were last year. And Delvin cook left the door open for that because when I asked him what was similar or having the similar scheme, he said, well, it's the same last name, but it's not all the same stuff. And so I've mostly said, ah, it's probably the same. Um, but he said that it might not be. So that's going to be my nice thing is that it might not be. And Clint Kubiak might be good at it. And uh, we've seen this. This is a thing that comes up all the time. Like, oh, these kids of coaches, they don't know what they're doing. But sometimes they do. Kyle Shanahan knows what he's doing. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But I think that's a nice thing, right? That's not, I wasn't passive aggressive there. I'm still working on it. No, that was, that was nice. And um, I, 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 I think that your instinct is generally right, that it's probably going to be the same as last year. Um, but I think last year there were some like problems very subtly kind of below the surface with the, the play sequencing and awareness of like down and distance that maybe Clint won't mess up and might've had a, a kind of a negative effect on last year's offense. So he could be better with some very subtle tweaks. Okay. So feel free to tweet me or email me with your nice and Minnesota nice thing. So because this, this was fun and not preparing you for it also made it more challenging, but I thought you did a great job, Sam. So thank you for your time. You. Uh, and uh, tomorrow we will be out at OTAs when we record uh, right after that. So we'll have like, you know, hardcore, here's what we saw kind of podcast. And maybe we'll track down somebody else to come on the show. Like we did with Will Raggett's the other day and it'll be fun. So we will go forth here in the off season. And um, I'm actually going to try to take a little time off right when the Packers are going to trade Rogers. So like next, no, week, you're not so, going on a vacation. Yeah. A little, little uh, yeah, next week. No ne way. Next week. And that will be the exact moment. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Every single vacation I've ever taken, something happens with the Vikings or like, you know, tangentially related to the Vikings. So I guarantee that, but that won't be this week. So we will see you tomorrow then. All right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks caller.